this one is the conclus conclusory, I think that's a word, episode to the Myth of Failure series. Uh, and it's called The Risk Seesaw, the principle to discuss today. And uh, I want to lead with the story, if you've ever heard of Jim Carrey's dad. Did you know that one? No. Jim Carrey, famous actor and comedian. Yep. Started as a comedian. So Jim Carrey tells a story about his dad. Uh, his dad also could have been a comedian. Apparently a very funny man too. But thought that that was not quite the safe kind of career path. So he became an accountant instead. And because uh, that was, you know, job security. Safe, yep. Mm -hmm. uh, except the only thing was that when they were... Uh, when Kerry was about 12, his dad actually lost his job. And then they fell on really hard times. And the so-called, like, safe thing turned out to not be so safe. And so it's very interesting. He goes, you, you can fail at doing something you don't like or a plan B. So you might as well have a crack at doing something you love or that you think is worth doing. Hmm. It's very interesting. So the idea of the risk seesaw... Like we first talked to, I first thought about this, talked about it when we were doing Taleb episodes the first yeah. time. Um, Nassim Taleb, if you're listening. Taleb, <laughs> we, I, um, yeah. You know, so you, <laughs> <laughs> that was, um, that was fucking smooth, yeah. man. That was fucking yeah, smooth. Okay. Uh, let's, let's and, ignore and that. From a lot of his principles, it's just like a lot of the things he talks about, the examples he uses, it makes you think of this particular thing where I couldn't find a way of thinking about it. Um, if you imagine a, a seesaw, when one end goes up, the other one goes down and vice versa. And they can't both be up at the same time. And it's the idea that when you control for uh, short-term risks, you create long-term risks. When I say control, you try to remove, mm. right? You try and get rid of like the, the possibility of said bad thing happening. You actually create a, um, a much bigger risk somewhere long to like bigger like yeah. way worse okay and then if you do the opposite you get the opposite effect if you actually try to control for long-term risks you will actually increase the, the likelihood of short-term risks right so we're living in the beautiful like conceptual level but we give examples right have we given the taleb example which one are you thinking of Go i'm for thinking it. of the taxi driver versus yeah 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 we've talked about it before okay, but, okay, but bring okay. it up do you remember it yeah well it's it's a um just because i'm rereading yeah beautiful at the moment there's the example he gives um the bureaucrat i don't know yeah he, he loves picking on bureaucrats but yeah. the bureaucrat that has a steady income yeah banking job i think banking yeah. job yeah banking in this, job in this um example yeah monthly i'm not sure specifically yeah, consistent salary yeah consistent salary versus the taxi driver that has sort of volatility volatility in their salary. Yeah. Um, the perception is that the banker has more security, but is in an event like an unforeseen event that he calls Black Swan event. Yeah. Like imagine like the GFC. GFC or something. or something. I don't know if that is a Black Swan, but yeah, like a big unexpected event. Yeah. Yeah. So that person loses their job and then finds it much more difficult to get work because they've locked into something quite specific yeah. for you they know, probably haven't had to improve they probably haven't had to do much to keep their job so those sorts of they things. don't know they don't have any real skills yeah yeah so that person's out of work and the the taxi driver if, if they don't get a fare they just go look for another fare and they've gotten used to 
always having work and the flow of income's not as consistent mm. but long term they're more um anti-fragile like yeah or robust or, whichever yeah. yeah to volatility yep. so there's a perce- the perception that because they're not getting income yep. at a very specific time yeah that it's more risky yep. but in fact it's not yeah not in the big picture view yeah and so the uh, the idea is that small hurt avoid it's like a stitch in time saves nine same kind of idea i think it builds on this principle um short-term hurt in it like healthy hurt avoid long-term hurt you know what i mean but what he says in that example the banker's risks are not, not hidden. it's not that they're not there they're just hidden from the banker mm. that's the perfect risk seesaw right you've controlled for risk in the short term what you've done you've tilted the seesaw so that it's going to happen on a bigger level unforeseen and smacking the face the taxi driver is always learning where business is and where it's not yeah because he's more his feedback loop is more real right if he's not doing well he gets that feedback most people at work don't actually get the live feedback loop of their performance because mm. you know like everything gets complicated you have a manager who's not like the bloody ceo so they might just be happy with the way things are they just maybe they want to coast maybe they just think you're a nice guy uh, you got a million and one reasons right bureaucracy is very and so you don't actually get the as much sometimes the feedback loop of whether you're doing good or bad you should do taxi driver has to so if he doesn't get work for a week he has to find a better spot or a better time of day to drive go to the airport it's like ah, oh, always people need a cab at the airport i'll go to the airport there'll always be work he learns in a recession, people are still coming to the airport. Yep. Been a recession, a lot of the bullshit jobs people have sometimes get very well hidden in the corporate world. Yep. Hard to know when you don't have a bullshit job sometimes um, or you're not needed, so they can get rid of you. So the <laughs> what I found this powerful, realizing it in personal examples, because I think the things most people think about, the things most people worry about, feel like the big risks they feel like the other end of the seesaw. But I, I fear that most people mistake big risks to actually be small risks. Sorry, that they think what they think are big risks are actually small risks in the big picture of the life they'll live. Mm. And the Jim Carrey's dad example is like that. He's trying to control for small risks, which is consistency of income. But he are. Uh, in, in like we don't know Jim Carrey's dad personally whether he's actually interested in it or not it's like a very anecdotal right story but in another sense he creates much bigger risks <laughs> you know and it's an example of a that bubble burst a lot of people probably the bubble doesn't burst and that's probably the worst thing for them <laughs> coming back to slingshot coming back to the Chinese farmer that's why we tried to build these ideas in the series and this is the kind of the combination. So when I think about it, I am, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I was on a call with someone who listened to the podcast last night and I said, I am like you trying to figure out life. I don't have it all. I don't have everything. Like I have everything, but I don't have what society says is everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you're going by society's scorecard, skewed as it might be, I'm probably losing. <laughs> I'm probably below average by the societal scorecard. So I don't pretend to have an abundance of everything. Um, I feel like I have an abundance of things that matter and I'm very lucky and fortunate. It's not all my own doing. So if, if come to the obvious one, finances. 
money, income. And uh, it's easy to think about, like, you know, I won't have a kind of financial breathing room or material comfort or financial freedom or I won't be able to support a family or I won't be able to afford a home. And it's easy to feel like those are big risks in life. And the more kind of Western and capitalist the place you live in is, the more likely you are to be sensitive to those things. And I don't want to gloss over or you know, invalidate those. Like it, if you experience it, it's real. Like I don't want to diminish that. Um, but I fear that they are actually small risks. Because I, I, I can't get away from the idea that life is about way more than what you own. Mm. Okay? And, I, I, and, and how much money you have. And nothing, just li- like nothing I've experienced or read has really pointed me in a, in a very different direction. Um, so for me, like there is, like I don't have much income at the moment. Like personally, I'm not trying to glorify that. Like I'm not, I'm just not swimming in cash, right? But the, uh, to me, the real risk is I could, there's things I could do that would like, like there's many things I probably could have done the last two, three years to start earning more money like immediately. But, uh, I fear that the real risk is like wasting your life for the, for, for things that, um, in the pursuit of things that probably can't even provide you as much joy as you think and often are just a longing for relief you know like our desires and what we want in life is so often just conditioned and there's not often a lot of intrinsic joy in the things we seek even the career things we seek we've talked about that a lot the last last Mm. couple of months it's it's easy to the property in fast cars and fancy clothes is, is like the most obvious layer of this kind of extrinsic bubble. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the cliche midlife crisis stuff and all that. So it's easier. There's lots of commentary about that. There's less commentary around. I want a promotion. Um, I want to start my own business. I want to, um, you know, I, I want to become an author. I want to, uh, so these are things that maybe there's not so much social suspicion around these kind of ambitions and stuff, but articulated that way, those things are to me are very dangerous um, on an existential level because there's so often a vague aspiration that's built on, I want to be something more than I am now, um, more in the unhealthy sense than the healthy sense. I want to feel like I've achieved, you know, there's so many achievement addicts especially in the West, and I'm uh, probably one of the worst of them, or have been. Um, and these ones, we don't have as much societal support. That's so normalized. That's not as obviously like, oh, that's not going to make you happy. That's not as obvious as the fast cars and all that. There's no stigma. There's no stigma around that, right? Um, this word I keep hearing, success, like we want people to be blah, 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 successful. I'm like, what does it mean? Like, if you're talking about the real qualities of life, it's just not the word you'd use. Mm. You'd never hear Alan Watts using the word success. You'd never use the um, Anthony DeMello using the word success. You'd never hear about, um, you know, any of those people trying to just blanket say that some sort of vague, you know what I'm talking about, success thing is this worthwhile thing. It's actually a vague thing that you, it's nice to have when it just ensues. 
Mm. When you do something that's valuable with good people and one of the things that happens in a very Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett way is you end up with hopefully an abundance of the material stuff. And I feel like the real risk is, you know, I think always bring up that five years to live. None of us knows how long we have. Mm. You know, none of us knows how long we have. There's an assumption of a future that is not material. And I feel like the real risk is not living that. That's the macro. That's the big picture. That's the end, other end of the risk seesaw. The more people, um, I mean, I talked talk to someone about this recently. It's like, well, you know, I, I've decided I definitely want to like build wealth, own a property. I like, there's nothing wrong with either of those things. But if they become the solitary focus of someone's life while they're young and in their prime years of hopefully health and options and less burdened by some other familiar respons familial responsibilities and these things. And that's the biggest thing that we're capable of imagining. That's the biggest thing we're capable of imagining. Um, there's got it. It's, it's, it's by necessity narrowing what doesn't need to be narrowed. Mm. It doesn't need to be narrowed. You know, someone who doesn't have to think about whether they can afford a house is a, you know, like a Warren Buffett or something like that. And, uh, and a lot of other people who haven't, haven't had to agonize over that goal and break down milestones towards it and stuff like that. Cause the nature of it, often the nature of engaging in the real world is that you start to understand things and you start to understand people really well. And on that process, I think we find a lot of opportunities to create the sort of value that people can monetize and help create a sustainable lifestyle around. And that's, God, if that's, if that's possible, why wouldn't we all want that? <laughs> a much less strained and agonizing, arduous version of building a materially comfortable lifestyle or abundance. So this idea of the risk seesaw is not just in the personal life. I think it's on the bigger like political scale so if you think about it, i can just rattle off some examples because the principle is to me an, another fundamental um children raising children the more you try to protect a child from the brutality of the world the more fragile you make them coming back to taleb and yep. the fragility mm -hmm. and the more that they will break the first time they're challenged because they can't withstand smaller shocks and disappointments yeah yeah right? the more we try to wrap an economy in plaster um and and hide from people that what we do with um, like what we do with money and all this sort of stuff, the more we create this disaster that's magnifying in size, the bubble keeps expanding, and when it eventually crashes, it's it's bigger than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Taleb says the Titanic saved more lives. Yeah. Than it probably killed. Yeah. But that's not tangible. Mm. So all these, when I talk about the the actual big risk, the long end of the risk seesaw. The, the, the problem is that they're not very tangible because they're so big. When people haven't had a meaningful life, um, it's not very visible. It's not, it's not like they commentate on it. Right? It's, it's not, not easily observable. What is, is easily observable is possessions. And so that's where a lot of the bias comes from. You see what people have materially. Yeah. You don't understand what their relationships are like. You know? So the more you focus on a lot of these career goals and ambitions, it's like, cause the risk is I won't be somewhere by the time I'm 30 or 40 or 50. Um, you know, I wouldn't have lived up to my potential. I wouldn't have achieved anything worthwhile. 
those feel like big risks, but I think they're small risks. I think the, the big risks are unnecessarily isolating yourself from connection to other people and connection to yourself. I think the big risk is not being able to tap into your, we talk so much on this podcast about intuition and gut and a lot of intellectual society and Western society has drowned us in so much noise that we can't harness the most vital resource, the most powerful form of intelligence we have. And we try to use what's designed to do about 5% or something of our thinking. We try to use that 100% and we're stretching this tool that's not meant to be used that way. Building the society around us is literally an expression of ego because <laughs> that's what 100% of this is. It's not what it was designed to do. You're overexerting it. You're asking, we're asking it to do too much. And so the manifestation of the world we have and how so much mental illness, um, what people call mental illness, I don't like the term, and uh, dissatisfaction people have with themselves and lack of self-esteem and, and physical health conditions that seem like they come from physical causes and all that and how the real things that are going on in people's lives are hidden in this iceberg effect beneath the surface is completely a manifestation of giving the ego too much power in individual life and not being aware that that's what's going on um it's just just in everything education the more we try to reduce the risk that people won't be successful in society the more we take away their ability to actually think independently and freely and express themselves authentically in their life uh, and therefore be creative that's the big risk we mistake the my kid's not going to be successful or these students aren't going to be successful in the in get into university we mistake that to be the big risk i think it's usually the small risk and so all these things are a matter of perspective so, you know, I am um, not going to glamorize like the way I've spent times I've been out at dinner thinking, shit, like, what's the bill going to be? I don't know if I have enough, um, not enough, but like this is going to sting my wallet. And um, it'd be nice if I had a bit more of this and a bit more of that or a place to myself or something like that. There's been lots of those moments. And I'm not saying that that's glamorous necessarily, right? I'm not saying it's necessary for everyone to go to experience that. But... Something I say a lot is that what looks like a sacrifice to you of what someone else is doing might not always be a sacrifice to them. Mm. That's like, your own perception. It's your perception. Um, someone who gave it like the Ash Barty of like a world number one tennis player, still many years left, what someone would expect in her career, but like this isn't serving me anymore. I'm walking away. It's like gave it all up. But it's not a sacrifice if you're not getting joy from that. Just because plenty of other people project their values onto you doesn't mean that, that is constitutes value. That's it. What's valuable and enjoyable is a totally individual assessment. You know, the more you focus on financial wealth, the financial form of wealth, a very limited form of wealth i would struggle to call it wealth i'd call it being rich but people don't like to use rich anymore too dirty so they use the word wealth but the more you focus on that um that the more you probably neglect like the risk seesaw of that is the more you probably neglect the real source of wealth in life which is kind of has more validity from a health perspective and stuff which is the quality of your social connections 
And you know what? Even when it comes to your career and your income and all that, I gotta say, having a bloody rock solid group of people, you know, your friend, the best sort of network is a friendship group. <laughs> people you have real relationships with. Yeah. The, you know, people you have a real friendship with will introduce you to someone uh, who can help you a lot in any given thing in their network for nothing in return from you. Mm. Totally non-transactional just because they love you. You know, you would do that for me in a heartbeat and I'd do the same for you. I wouldn't even think about it. You wouldn't have to pander up to me you whenever it's like hey joe you know so and so can you like introduce me mm. you know like I, I would love to work I, I admire their company or something like that or i need tips or advice. even when it comes to the game navigating the game the quality of your relationships is a huge factor it's not everything i don't uh, you're not necessarily gonna be the richest person just because you got the best friendships but it, it far outweighs it it far outweighs it because it predicts quality of life. Um, I must say, from personal experience, having an abundance of people I can call on. Um, you know, I said to someone in the community a few months ago, we're talking a lot about investing and stuff, and I said, well, my perspective has changed because a lot of it to me is just a distraction from better things in life. Even though if I concentrate on it, there would be more money in there. I said, you know, I think I'm one of the wealthiest people I've ever met. But I haven't been paid a lot of money in quite a while. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know if this is just personal preference. It seems like from, from what we know about people in life, that this is just generally, there are things that are just bound to be more valuable. But I don't disagree that your perspective around the value of those things can be heavily warped, which is where a lot of disagreement will, will come in here. Because when you are, we talked in the last episodes about when your mind switches to those linear tracks and pathways and reward pathways, people become a much less, much less kind of rewarding kind of asset in your relationships and conversations and stuff go way down in the pecking order when you're on the pleasure treadmill. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can relate the, feel free to disagree with me, but, um, that's how I felt. It's like when you're pursuing your goals and all that stuff, people are like, when I've got time or I, when I can fit you in, yeah, you, you put the other pebbles in first and you're like, do I have room in the jar for this? You how start wanting, um, agendas. Yeah. And like being very specific and not sort of, um, doing things for the sake of them, catching yeah. up with someone for the sake of them, Yeah. for the sake of it. Sorry. Yeah. You're more like. Is this going to move me from yeah, A yeah. to B? <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this going oh, to... Um, fuck. I've done it. Yeah. I've done it. Done I, it. I've done it so much. What I've, what I've found is... Uh, I'm, I'm just very, you know, very transparent about that. None of us here are perfect. No, no, no. Well, yeah. I still, Except as I said, go here. Yeah, I still, <laughs> as you know, as I have many conversations with you, go from left yeah. and right, left and right. Yeah. Always trying to find the center again. Yeah. But I feel there's a, there's a very particular feeling of chasing money and stuff like that for the sake of it. Yeah. It feels hollow. Like yeah. a, yeah, there's no substance, deeper sense to it. Mm. Whereas for example, if you, if you're, I don't know, going for a run with someone yeah. and you're connecting with them mm. and you're just having good conversation, mm. it feels more meaningful, but yeah. there's no, what goal, what are you, yeah. what, what are you moving towards? Yeah. Nothing. It's just a shame that run doesn't 
follow you up the corporate ladder eh? <laughs> yeah that's that's a good point but that's the same with the when you have a good meeting with someone yeah. and you're like everyone a lot of people want to you know you to have a agenda right agenda. take notes make sure yeah, you, yeah but some of the best conversations are podcast like where yeah, yeah. for example I, I recall having conversation with with a potential customer yeah, and we're just talking to me an agenda is almost like a point where i'm trying to do too much therefore it needs to be written down well, it's and a tactical it thing priorized. it's very tactical yeah i'm not going to deny people are going to have to do that stuff because of work situations they're in that are more than fair enough but i suspect they're not the ideal places to be in you know what it's like it's like why are we doing you ask the question why are we doing this in business yeah. and the answer is oh, we've got shareholders and we've got, it's like that's that's the that's the thing you lose track of you know we've got shareholders, shareholders the non-essential the non-essential people who are there to help increase the capital flow and liquidity of the company so that you can do more business on a higher level yeah but, but they you know that they that's what they say it's circular yeah. You're doing it for shareholders, but the only reason shareholders are there is so you can do more. Increase the value. But the reason you're doing more is for the shareholders. It's but the pointless. reason the shareholders are there and we create bubbles. But then it, ego creates bubbles. You see this I know this in my I've observed it in you know, telco industry and yep. probably people looking from the outside understand mm. what happens when you do things for short term shareholders. Yeah. To increase profit is yep. well, okay. Key example. Yeah. Offshore everything. Yeah. That's not gonna erode your business, is it? That's a very risk seesaw example. It's like, well... Yeah, I mean, we'll reduce the short-term thing of the cost of customer service, right? Yeah, or another one, <laughs> another classic... We create a huge bubble, yeah. which is like invisible. Yeah. That's the problem with the, the big risk. It's, They're harder to it, see. Oh, it's so visible So now. you don't want to be creating hard-to-see huge risks. That's yeah. my warning. <laughs> yeah well look this at is it. what happens in politics economics that's what happens to society it's a macro thing it's a macro right yeah. but also within your life big picture versus little picture within your own life as a story but we have this societal thing of the risk seesaw but the money and other people do it to us and this is what a lot of taleb stuff is trying to help yes but create the money, awareness around money chasing all these things can make macro things tangible like it can give yep. you a sense of yeah what i'm doing oh, well i'm doing this and yep. i'm you know the society says this yep that means what i'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis is yep. it's like a yep. it's like a link that you make well we call we're talking about this with attachment one of the things that happens when you're attached to something right you don't love it freely and openly and sure there's a clinging to something is that and there's a need for it and it creeps up on you is that you become you can't value intangibles you can't assess them the capacities of the, your brain to assess non-linear and be creative are severely diminished. So things that are intangible get discarded. It's like, what are things that are tangible? When we say tangible, tangible is black and white. Things that are visible. Things that are measurable, that can be denominated in numbers. These, be, these are tangible things, right? Um, you know, money is so tangible. That's the real um, that's the real kind of corruptive nature of money comes from its tangible nature. Mm. Not the fact that it's the thing we use to exchange for goods and services. Um, whereas if funnily enough in friendship, all the exchanges are intangible. They're all intangible, <laughs> right? It's yeah. a, it's a, it's an intangible economy. Mm. There's an economy there, but it's intangible. You know, I'm, I'm trading things for uneven, supposedly uneven. And this is the, 
you know, at some point with our evolution, our social evolution and evolution, it's probably one of the most ridiculous things I've ever said on this podcast. We're going to have to transcend monetary systems. <laughs> it does sound very kumbaya. It does. It yeah. does. It does. It sounds so fluffy and you'll never hear an economist say it because an economist can't say it. No. They're locked, they live within a world of which that is one of the default assumptions is this monetary system. Because why do we have money? Why do we have money? One of the thinkings is, I don't know if there's other reasons and about being able to control people through debt and stuff like that. But one of the uses, even if it was not the original reason, is to exchange things of uneven value. Right? Yeah. If, if I make cars and you make coffee cups, How are we gonna I trade? don't want 10,000 coffee cups. Right, or but 60, you want a car. Sixty apples, or right? Yeah. But I will. I want pans. You don't make pans, but if you have this money thing that we all use to ch exchange things, then you can get a car off me, and I can get pans off so and so, right? And then we can just coordinate in larger groups. It's pure utility. Utility, right? And some people will argue that the r actual reason for money is so we could have debt, so you could loan and whatever. Right? Sure. And it doesn't, that doesn't matter as much as the real things in life and not, you know, I had, I had this conversation last night and this person, I just was very grateful to have the conversation with me. It's almost like they feel like they didn't deserve it. Right. And I'm just laughing at the end because they're thanking me so much. I'm almost like, telling them, you know, shut up because this is not a generous act. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is a joyous act. Our good friend, Michael Gill, always says, when, when I used to say to him, yeah. Michael, thank you so much for you yeah. know, your time. He's yeah. like, you know, I gained from this too, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the biggest reward you could have in life. That yeah. feeling of having a proper conversation. It's with true. Someone. I had a blog post. Um, people loved it on Instagram. I put it called Conversation Sex. <laughs> it, it, it's like that that's the framing it's euphoric mm. and it works the same way you know the more you give to your conversation partner the better the conversation chasm will you can keep going with the metaphor <laughs> yeah but sure you got it. The, the the joy of it is that if you and i if you come with your one coffee cup and you're like joe i brought you a coffee cup thanks for making me the car and i found joy out of making cars for some reason and i go Thanks for that. You didn't have to do that. Here's your car. <laughs> and the real payment was a conversation we had because we have love for each other. Right? That's another word. People How kumbaya. People. Kumbaya warning. He just said love. Ding, ding, ding. The kumbaya bills ringing. That was Adrian's. Um, you know, they, this sounds too simple. Sounds unrealistic. Yeah. I can tell you, that's the only hope we have for our future. To remove a lot of the bullshit that wades into life. Because until we're at that place, because it's not, that's the, the real nature of that real connection between people is an uneven value. Otherwise you start to commodify everything. You, you have a Western society where old people are just in the way. Build something where they can, build something where we can put them so we don't feel bad about ourselves for where we put old people. Because what value do they provide? And the reality is, as you know from Gilly, who's 75th birthday, they have all the value in the world. But it's intangible. It's wisdom. But wisdom doesn't always translate linearly into 
career or business success. It does help. Yeah. It's, oh, it helps more than anything, actually, but it's not a linear. It's not, I learned this and I'm going to apply it and I make more money next week. Right? But how about it's, on the opposite side, people that have success in that domain, yeah. people assume they have wisdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, it's, it's very, so, it's not. It's so it's true. No, yeah, they're, not, they're not very well correlated. They can not, be. They, well. They can be. Yeah. A lot of people who have made a lot of money tend to have gone through something to really get to that position. Yeah. And so what they tend to be, there'll be a lot of wisdom, but there'll also be, often can be a lot of attachment. And the attachment creates massive areas. It's like Voldemort in Harry Potter. It's like he is so adept at certain types of magic, but because he doesn't understand love, he doesn't understand why these, some of his followers are betraying him because they care about their son or something. He just can't compute, understand that. So he's like, well, they're not, they're, they're being loyal. So you have these huge blind spots despite proficiency in a certain room. Yeah. Your, your big picture view is like shit. So that's what a lot of, we get a lot of. Mm. And that's very risk seesaw too. You over-optimize for one thing in life and you become master at it. And we have all this bullshit in this ambitious, hungry society we have of become the best at something. Become the best at something, you know, become really good at something. Find something you're really good at. Why? Um, I think you just, why? You tend to just find things you're good at by just being yourself. I mean, that's too kumbaya for people. That's what, um, yeah, well, I was talking to a friend and he's like, he was talking about swimming. Yeah. Referring to, you know, I used to be really good at swimming. Yeah. And then, but it's like, it was so, like he was said, oh yeah, I was good at swimming, but I um, gave it up. I said, why'd you give it up? And he's like, because I fucking hated it. but but he knows so many people that just persist with it for so long yeah and they hate it do you feel like there's i feel like there's a lot of people do that with running too not you or dom with running professionally or if they're really talented there's a a burden i have a feeling that there's a lot of i don't know if there's a lot of people feel like they just got to do running because it's like i've been in that zone i've been in that zone before yeah, yeah yeah exactly being like why am I running so much? And then you sort of flip between the two, right? Yeah. But then you come back to a center. Yeah. And there's normally... So the, the thing with like that Goldilocks zone we talk about yeah. is like you got not caring about someone on one, something on one extreme, like mm. not caring nearly enough. Caring too much on the other end is like attachment, which is like, I, I have to sell 10 units like right now, or I have to become a really good runner, or this podcast has to get like has to be really, really high quality. has to be really, I'll pay you for feedback. How do I make the podcast like 10 times better? Yeah, there's that. <laughs> Ridiculous. Then you end up doing in the it middle, like this. In the middle is what Luke and I call this Goldilocks zone, which is the just right, which is the non-attached, which is the love, which is, oh yeah, like, don't want to make the podcast shit, but like, I'm going to get too controlled about it because actually the way to make it the best is to make it while we're in the Goldilocks zone. Yeah. It's like being completely unprepared for a podcast yep. episode versus yeah. having 16 questions that yeah, you yeah, need yeah. to ask sequentially. And you just ask them sequentially. It's the shittest like, episode you've be... ever listened to. Yeah. And so there's this really important thing, this risk seesaw of like, it's control. It's seeking control. Like I've done this with the podcast. I started to try and optimize this podcast a lot. And you'll see a period where the thumbnails are like really, there's much more... <laughs> clickbait effort gone into them and stuff and all that and i'm gonna leave them there yeah just so people can see the trail yeah. of my psychology it's like, it's over like time think and grow rich in my yeah 
I I keep, I, that book I bored keep the it, shit out of me. I keep it there and there's <clears throat> highlights and and like pages and stuff like that. This and is, like, dear future Luke, this is going to be how you get rich. Remember, it, this is... But it, repre- <laughs> it represents the psychology, like the yeah, frame yeah, of mind it, I was in leave at it. 18. And there's I'm, nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not, yeah, you're I've not. Got it, I've got mine. I'll, I'll leave it up there forever. And um, I use it to show people like the stages I've gone through. But you learn things from that. You learn. It's like when I read... Um, Jordan Jordan Belfort's book, um, Sorry. Um, yeah. Wolf or uh, Way of the Wolf or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. It's yeah. actually qu- it's quality, yeah. but it's it's so open to be used in the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for cha- like for example, they're more they were they were brokers of shareholders. They were yeah. um share yeah. share brokers or yeah stock brokers. Yeah. Their one goal was to be rich. Yeah. They didn't <laughs> care about their clients. Watch the movie. Like yeah, yeah. that's how it can be used. <laughs> It is. And not only that, what's worse about that stuff is it implies, so it's not actually, I don't think there's actually much value in that stuff, really. Even though you like the tactic, but I, I hear you. There is, there is, there is that. But what the, the real thing that's going on, and this is very hard to understand for someone who's too um, logical and non appreciating the, the value of intuition and feeling and things is that beyond the words there's a value system that's being going that comes with it, right? And by the nature, the people who are most tactical and advice are the most come from ego. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because the ones not from ego are very feeling like it's it, it's I'm naturally being me, and this is how I this is something I do well by most people's standards, and gets results I want from just being me. Yeah. Um. That stuff comes with a value system that's not, you can't see in any sense, you can't, they're not telling you how to be about people in any sentence or paragraph. It's the, it's underlying, it's beneath it. And that tends to be way less useful than all the little, so you have to go through the work of actually going through that. You have to transcend that on your own to take what is intelligent from what they're saying. But I'll be honest. For example, in my earlier sales days, yeah. I just wanted to sell heaps of stuff. Yeah. And even though I read all the stuff, even though I read all the books, yeah. I honestly don't reckon it did that much. I reckon it was just... I, I, I don't think it was. I think yeah. it was literally just... I, I learned heuristically. It's, uh, it's very much a lecturing birds how to fly thing. It's like I got there and I just started talking to people and yeah. I was keen to yeah. do sales. Yeah. And that's why I think it's actually something deeper that's going on. I think a lot of people read, they're actually... Um, they're refreshing and revalidating their opinions and ideas. It's it's like a it's like an energy thing. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it gives you a bit of a lift. But it's not actually feel... about the. <laughs> well, okay. it's not about memorizing the words, it's right? Not the, fir- no. the very first book I read on sales was I can't remember what it was called. Something like I can't remember the name, but it was all based on enthusiasm, right? Yep. Be enthusiastic. Yep. And I like took that one thing, and I was like. Because you, you can have bullshit enthusiasm. Like yeah, you, bullshit, can. you can. And you can have like... I love the gen- podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and do you know about this? And it's like, <laughs> it's too much. But um, you can have, if you think about enthusiasm in a general sense, yeah. like to just be excited yeah. about showing up and talking yeah. to people. Yeah. It comes across. And then yeah. you make a connection. Gilly, gilly with, enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. And you make a connection with that person. Oh, it, that, those sort of people change a room. Nick, who I was with this morning, says, I just love watching Gilly at um, Cool Mac at the cafe. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something to watch. Just yeah. like he's greeting everyone and all that. And there's an aura. 
It's that's where auras come from. They yeah. emanate out from you. And this is the intangible part of life that especially in Western society, we have barely tapped into. But my original thread for that conversation we had was even trying to over-optimize something like the podcast. Because people are like, what's wrong with developing the podcast? What's wrong with growing the YouTube channel? What's wrong with getting more subscribers? And the answer is nothing. But there's a lot wrong with agonizing over it. And the, 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 the funny thing I ended up in, the little headspace I ended up in was problem with trying too hard on the podcast is the podcast is not my goal <laughs> yeah <laughs> you mean right? the production now, quality now i enjoy i enjoy podcasting sure okay i enjoy talking but um the the overall goal is something beyond a podcast okay and uh, you know it, it's probably something i couldn't even put into words but the closest i've ever come is open doors for others right the, the surrender of that journey we talk about of like you don't know what's coming so this thousand doors journey the best way to actually unlock it is to open doors for others you know take yourself down a peg and look at yourself as part of this team and your role is you are inseparable from that team um and the podcast is just one tool for helping to relay that as soon as i take the podcast too seriously yeah you know, it serves something greater than itself right but as soon as I over-optimize for the podcast, it's taking all my energy into the podcast. It starts to become from a place of ego. And once I'm in a place of ego, we talk about all these things. I can't value intangibles as well. Can't see big picture things as clearly. Don't feel as good. More existential flu. And you're taken away from what's the actual, for this one, the actual purpose of it. You start thinking because I have to live that. It's not just this is not only done. I don't just pause this podcast and I go out and I try and like you know um, sell people on personal development courses at any cost and save up to buy Ferraris. And you wouldn't have much skin I, in the I, game, I would kind you? Of, I kind of do try to. It's not just this thing that only happens on podcasts. It's this thing that happens in life. I think life. we have a. I and think we have a text podcast every day on WhatsApp. Yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, we do, and. Um, the, the funny thing is people are like, but don't you like, if you grow the channel, you'll reach more people, you know, like, duh, Joe. And well, that is not necessarily the highest goal because reaching people is one thing, but really communicating with people on a deep level is another thing. And anything that diminishes that capacity is an unworthy cost. Volume is very deceptive. Because it's best to go deep for something like this and then be able to go elsewhere, horizontal, than just horizontal. And tactical often becomes more shallow, right? And that's the trade-off. This is the risk seesaw. If I'm not living it, if I'm not doing this, if I'm someone different with my family than I am with uh, people in the community or how I am on this podcast and there's somewhere I justify it, I start a very dangerous cycle. And I, and I live hypocrisy. You li you're living hypocrisy. And that, those things happen, the more you get I get attached to, if it's, it's the podcast, I get attached to and zoomed in on the podcast. If I start getting frustrated about how many YouTube views there were on a video, where the fuck am I in terms of on the spectrum of awareness? 
No way. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would disqualify you as having a self-awareness podcast. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's this idea that uh, be very careful what you optimize because most people optimize for very tangible, low-level things and they confuse them to be the goal. Podcasting is something I would say that you know, is rewarding in its own right. In the same way having conversation is. Exactly. But uh, there's no way someone's whole life is their podcast. No. So if you get in a headspace of feeling constantly fatigued and disappointed and unhappy because of the way a podcast is going and that lingers for too long, then you've probably veered away from the healthy reality zoomed out view what would you have if the podcast was the the thing what do you well, what nothing, do you talk about the, the problem <laughs> <laughs> so well said so well said and these are this is the risk seesaw you know like um even even in the things that are like um you know investing and stuff like, even those situations like the more you try to like figure out figure it out the, the more you block like the bigger investing opportunities right the more you are zeroed in and attached to like property at all costs for example you might miss like much bigger opportunities we had an investing episode where we talked about like if you find things you love and then naturally find the opportunities related to what you love that's a very integrated way of you know um handling your 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 material and you know, commercial life without having to cons be consumed by it, right? Um, and the more we get attached to like something like financial freedom or the concept of passive income and all these things, the more we actually just make this risk, we pull the seesaw down. And so the big thing is you might miss out on a much more rewarding way of of doing that but also we overcomplicate things that's the that's the counter to this right also we overcomplicate like i want a place to live um i saw a place i like it and so a lot of the a lot of the sort of people that you know the high achieving sorts and all that feel like they're too good for uh, mediocre things it's almost like oh, i can't buy property or i can't uh, work a nine-to-five job because it's too conventional <laughs> And they feel like they need to avoid those things because they're too highbrow. And this comes up a lot in conversations with people. And it's it's the opposite. The more you're trying to um, be someone glorious and big and high achieving, the more you miss the you know the the risk seesaw is you probably miss the real joys in life and the simple solutions that's staring you in the face. Mm. They just don't have a glory label on them. And so it's not just avoiding mediocre what you think are mediocre everyday things. It's just understanding where they serve you and where they don't mm. and not caring what some idiot with, you know, glasses and <laughs> on a podcast or his, his dickhead mate who's a sleazy salesman <laughs> and, ru and runner uh... uh, or, or what anyone else thinks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is, um, and there is why, why I put this into failures because I think the way people think about risk is the wrong way. I think it's just a real oversimplified view of risk. Because I, I say to some people who have gone out to do what they're really interested in, and they go, yeah, but I took a risk and hopefully it works out. Like maybe Matt Chock is traveling the world and so-and-so who quit his job he hated in marketing. He goes, yeah, it's a risk. I go, it's not a risk. 
it's conservative. <laughs> it's true. I'm the most conservative person I know. You're like, I won't go on big rides. You know how the way you do one thing is the way you do everything? I won't go on big rides. You know, I won't um, go skydiving. I'm not open to trying it because I'm like, there's a chance I'll die. I don't even, I live on the beach. I, I hardly go in the water. It's like, I could, there could be a shark. Mm. Like how worthwhile is swimming, as beautiful as it is, if there could be a shark? Just because it's unlikely means why I'll just avoid it altogether. Yeah. I'm the most conservative person I think I've ever met. Yet for, when people look at me through, if you look at me through the lens of um, career, and you kind of neglect the other stuff. It's I, I probably look like a risk taker. <laughs> I don't own a property. Um, I don't have. I won't have financial freedom by the time I'm thirty. And uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, I don't have a proper job. Didn't pursue the, what you studied. D- didn't pursue what I studied. I've hopped and changed um, industries every couple of years. I think. So I look like I probably look like a, in society's um, the societal lens, probably look like a risk taker. I think I'm just so conservative because the real rewards in life are the people. And I think like, uh, you know, you can't (laughs) going on holiday is like the safest bloody investment there is Mm. because it's so hard not to enjoy it. Yeah. And if you have gone on holiday, if you spent two years traveling at any point in your life, like it's like, well, you know, for sure that you enjoyed those two years. To me, that's conservative. The thing where we go, oh, I need this much money so I can have that thing one day. To me, that's the risk. Because you don't know if you'll actually enjoy that or not. If it'll bring you the fulfillment you think it will. If it'll even last as long as you think it will last. And you don't know... Um, and then you've got the Jim Carrey thing. You don't know what bloody thing will go wrong along the way of your safe path. Mm. So to me, that's the risky route. The risky route is never having lived or creating a reason in your head why you shouldn't be living properly now in a simple and beautiful way i've definitely done it but that's the big risk i i try to control and we talked about this the other day you talked about um like i don't really work for an organization you know i don't have anyone as many like people managing me or anything like that or i have to manage as many people right so it's kind of much less attached to the regular world Mm. And that, yeah, that is a, a risk management because the more complex, um, you know, business stuff or whatever I've been doing, the more things can go wrong. Yeah. The more things that can take away my headspace unnecessarily for me. I don't know if I'm just avoiding those things, but to me, it's like, well, what's the point? If it's this annoying, what's the point? Hmm. It's valid. I don't know. It's just my perspective. I don't know in what ways I'm being short-sighted. You know, I'm still probably at the we're still probably at the early end of life so i don't know what i what information i'm not factoring in or anything but um this is the this is the thing you know this is the real interesting change and there was something else but i kind of forgot it i was gonna say but that's okay um yeah so in the concept of worrying about failing it's like it's almost the opposite because we've talked about so often the gift if you fail you know that the slingshot and to uh you know to, to recap this series in a nutshell uh you know we talked about astro the dog thousand doors all this stuff so this is the this is why i come to like the idea that the myth of failure 
because if uh, you're not, you don't really like your, your fear is not always a very good reflection of what's the actual situation, right? Mm. And it's, and it doesn't actually come from you. It doesn't come from the essential you, the natural you. If, uh, so that's, that's Astro the dog in that. If the best things that can happen to you are things that are, you couldn't have actually tangibly imagined, which is the kind of thousand doors thing, then your planning and goal setting is very difficult. And all the other things you talk about fixed and growth mindset and that the actual, the challenges are actually, it's your attitude towards the challenges more than anything else that counts. Not, not the like the likelihood and the odds and all that sort of stuff. All right. And you bring in a lot of anti-fragile and slingshot and Chinese farmer and all that. And it's that the things that go wrong are actually gifts in disguise, which is the same as the, um, similar to the risk seesaw idea. We had the 75 years of time idea that, that Alan Watts thing, that if you could control it all, you wouldn't really want to, which is also a very thousand doors ish kind of message. And you got this U curve of certainty and all that. And it's like the fundamentals and the long term and the asymmetric bets that if you just sort out the survival needs you have, as long as you survive, you stay in the game long enough. The odds are, if you have a long term view and perspective, the longer term your view and perspective is, the more likely things will turn out and you'll win in any given way. So if that's all, if that's all true, there's nothing, to, there's nothing really to fear. Yeah. And this, the, the sum of these perspectives, I think takes away the attachment to anything. To the image you have of what successful looks like, of trying to keep up with everyone else the fear you feel, how to like break that down into chunks and, and approach it slowly and get better as you go. And, you know, me with books, I, I, every book is a degree, hmm. you know, everything is just learning with also hopefully some paycheck in there, <laughs> approaching something greater, always approaching something greater, but always content with the now. This is just one of the many lines of thinking you can go through to come to the Gillies good old conclusion with all this stuff, just be. Hmm. There's a lot of intellectual mumbo jumbo bullshit and everything we talked about in this series. Uh, don't, don't try and remember it now suspend it and just feel right. And just walk into what you really want to do. And if you don't want to be a poor artist, but you love art and get a job <laughs> and do art. alongside, yeah, get a part-time job or something where you work till three and allow plenty of time and protect the role of art in your life and do it in a way that it's visible where you might get the asymmetric bets of other people. And if you don't want to do anything else and you'd rather be having more basic meals at home, but doing your art, then quit everything and do art. And if you're worried about what other people will say, remember that hopefully they say something bad because that's the best thing that can happen to you because that's the slingshot. And that will develop your strength. And that, you know, that inevitably strengthens you as long as you're anti-fragile of mindset. And there's no greater way to develop that strength than through challenge. You know, you are the size of the obstacles you face yourself with. And uh, you're left with, if you really feel this uh, stuff to be true, you're left with nothing else than just living the life you are compelled by something you know deep down to, to go out and do and live and that's all you're left with 
everything, every single tether is cut. And that's, that's a good place to be, I think. Just be. Just be. Do you have anything that stood out? Is there anything from what we talked about in this bank of episodes that was terribly new or striking to you? Is there anything in particular? doesn't have to be. You can, no, not really. Just new understanding got, of got, stop thinking so thing. much. Yeah. And just just be be more present. Yeah. And go into life a bit more blindly, actually. Isn't it? Isn't mm. it? The, 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 Blind to your thoughts and to your ego. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there it, it is. Which is in itself anything but blindness, isn't it? It's total seeing. Oh, thanks, Luke. Had a really enjoyed the, the thanks, series. Thanks for your help, as always. No indulging worries. my crazy whims. And a reminder to anyone that listens to um, more than any other call to action to make, to reach out. Um, any any way you can find a way to reach out or applying to Constant Student because that tells me a bit about you and then I can meet and had some lovely people do that. So it's a great way to kind of connect with you awesome out there. But we definitely want to hear or I, I especially want to hear from you um not not anything in particular i just want to know your story and um and uh what things you think about and talk about it and uh yeah we we do actually want you to reach out unless at some point in the future this has like four million views or something and then we're probably getting inundated and then don't reach out <laughs> <laughs> joe's probably probably unlikely this is unlikely disclaimer there's disclaimer, disclaimer. Disclaimer, you're probably somewhere in, I don't know, an offshore land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hiding from everyone. <laughs> probably probably in a forest that. forest riding. No, I'll have time for four, four million Zoom calls. That'll be fine. Yeah. No, I'm assuming it won't come to that. So please feel free to uh, to reach out. and I'll be the recipient of passive Luke income. Will be the, Luke, Luke will receive the passive income. I'll just get the conversations. That's good. And... Uh, yeah, remember, guys, keep opening doors for others. Keep opening doors. That's not in my line, is it? <laughs> you can say it. It's supposed to. It's supposed to catch on like a movement. I think just be. I think it's good, good if you just well. say it. I just like guns under the table. Go say, say it, Tom. And always remember, open doors for others. Ah, that's the way. All right. Thanks again, Luke. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers, everyone.